one. What's up? What's up? Coach D here, the Shift Method Podcast, coming to you with another great episode. You know, I had to get another physical therapist on the podcast, so I had to pull up my boy. Haven't talked too much in a long time, but, you know, good chance to catch up, talk about all things physical therapy, and that is my good friend, Keandre. Keandre, can you introduce yourself to the people, let them know who you are? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My name is Keandre Mays, DPT, CSCS. Um, I've known D-Man for uh, ever since I went to FAU. We had a great relationship over at Campus Rec and uh, built a bond that has continued to flourish to this day. So I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, I'm ready to get this show on the road. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's right. We came from that that good campus rec background, man. That's where we started as we were talking <laughs> before we started the podcast is, you know, that's where we kind of talked about our dreams and what we want to do. I talked about, you know, owning a gym or starting my own business. And you talked about being a physical therapist. And here we here are, we man. Are. Here, here we, we are. are. Here we are. It's Pretty actually supposed works. to be you, me, and uh, DJ. But DJ is out and sex is doing this thing. So, you know, hopefully one day we, we will rekindle and bring that back. Absolutely. Just get everyone together. Chris, Morgan, Zach, get everyone back together. Everybody. Aubrey, of course. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, like I mentioned, big thing we're going to talk about today, kind of similar to the podcast I did with Morgan, because she's wrapping up PT school, um, giving people insight on kind of the whole process of being a or going through physical therapy school. Um, a lot of my people who watch this are in fact, exercise science students are in the field of health, fitness and wellness. So I think it's always good to get perspective on what it's actually like being in the field. Um, before we get into that though, Keandre, kind of like just let people know, like how exactly did you like get involved in fitness and in the industry in general? So, I mean, it's always been a part of my life ever since, you know, I started playing basketball and things of that nature. And, you know, I had kind of a cliche story, you know, someone gets hurt and then all of a sudden they meet a physical therapist and they go through the whole rehab process of, you know, if you hurt your ankle or your knee and things of that nature. In my case, I hurt my knee and, you know, the process of getting back into playing ball you know, took like two, three months, but I was better than I was before. And that inspired me because you're able to not only get someone back to what they used to be, you're actually able to help them excel even more because now you're giving them these uh, techniques, you're giving them these instructions on how to train better, how to rehab better, and basically make their entire rehab recovery safe. And most importantly, that they don't get hurt again. So, you know, that inspired me the most. I've always been fascinated with just, you know, the movement of the body and being able to just, you know, have my own uh, critique, have my own ability with my hands to be able to just help people in that way. You know, movement has always been, you know, medicine, you know, so that is what really pushed me into this physical therapy uh, field. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. I remember that injury even plagued you a little bit into college and you had an issue with your, was it your, your tibial plateau or, or part of your tibia? What exactly was the issue? Oh, you got good memory, boss. Good. Yeah, there we go. Look at that. Look at that. Hey, I remember it was something unique. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, um, it basically was patella tendonitis is what they uh, diagnosed it as. Okay. Um, and basically, it was that and then a mixture of uh, cartilage loss as well. Mm. Just pretty much, not bone on bone, but it got to a point where it was pretty much at that level. And yeah, you're right. I, I, I dealt with that through college, um, possibly because of different muscle imbalances that I was having. And, you know, the, the whole thing is that even though you got injured years ago, you still have to keep up, you know, that regime and continue to take care of yourself. Because if you have something wrong um, on one part of your body, you know, it can affect the whole, the wholeness of you. So um, I, I was battling that, man. And, and it took me out sometimes for basketball and, you know, lost my, my stress reliever there mm-hmm. but uh that's great you remembered it though that's that's good i remember i talked to you about that for <laughs> yes sir well hey man i'm i've been hooping a lot lately basketball as you remember is one of my one of my favorite things to do so we'll have to link up with that get some shots in. i see you in the field actually i yes, see sir. you in a lot of stuff yes sir well we'll get it down we'll get it down <laughs> now you also mentioned in the beginning of course dpt but also got to mention the cscs so did you get your CSCS just kind of to enhance your experience as a physical therapist? Do you maybe have aspirations of working exclusively with athletes? Like, what was the reason you got that? Mainly, you know, uh, my major was exercise science, as you know. So it was kind of uh, a nice bridge, a nice way to uh, complement the exercise science degree. The exercise science degree basically prepares you almost specifically for uh, certified strength and conditioning specialist uh, certification. So it, it, it was uh, a good way to not only make myself more presentable for uh, physical therapy school, but also um, just to enhance my uh, quality as a trainer, as a therapist, to be able to take in those things that we learn in exercise science and learn strength and conditioning. Um, and also, a lot of physical therapy concepts go hand in hand uh, with strength and conditioning. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes therapists kind of stray away from that strengthening uh, component and they like to, you know, take it a lot easier and do less volume. But really, that's one of the things that kind of promote, you know, cartilage growth, promote uh, uh, bone density. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's important to, to, to use these concepts with the CSCS. So if anyone, you know, is aspiring with physical therapy, uh, the CSCS is, is a very good gold standard to start with um, as you're getting into the physical therapy uh, realm. Yeah, absolutely, man. The um, I always tell people like because it's not required for you to get a personal training cert to go to PT school. So I always not. tell people, man, if you can get some coaching experience, if you can get a good cert like ACE or NASM or ACSM, or even better, get your CSCS, man. Mm-hmm. And not only I guess a couple of things. One, hopefully you get some training experience. Two, if you want to maybe work with athletes specifically, like, or if you have a client who is an athlete, you at least have that experience. And like you mentioned, mm-hmm. Key, like you can actually take people and take those concepts because a lot of them do go hand in hand. They're not mutually exclusive. You're strengthening right. and you're conditioning. 
So mm-hmm. they go along with the program. Man. And, and, and it's important too, that it's not just the, the athletes, because I even use these concepts with uh, neurological patients, um, you know, and just using that type of program and concepts to create neuroplasticity. Um, and, you know, you, 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 just, you, you don't just use it with athletes wise, you can expand it um, even to the geriatric um, population, the pediatric population, the neurological population, and it goes on and on. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's been great to have that foundation for sure. Yes, sir. Now, I'm, I'm so happy I get to say this. You are a doctor of physical therapy. You are officially, you know, you're, you're licensed, certified, checkmark, all that good stuff. You actually have gone through the process. So I want to give some words of wisdom for people who are watching. So I know, depending on the school, it's a little bit different, but overall, there's some overlap. So can you mm-hmm. kind of just outline the process of how you applied and got into PT school? The daunting, dreadful process. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it was not fun, bro. That that I I I can't lie to anyone. It it it's a sucky process. You have to uh, first. Number one is do your research. I know a lot of people say that, but it's very important because <laughs> you have you have these schools. Um, well, let me tell you about my process. I had to do my research first. And basically because you have these schools um, that basically have set requirements. And these requirements may include chemistry one and two, biologies, college physics, you know, kinesis and things of that nature. And the reason you do your research is because these schools mainly want these classes and they may overlap where you can kind of stick with a group of classes and be able to qualify for multiple schools. Mm-hmm. So I basically went that route where I would take, I would apply for schools that basically had the same requirements. That way I didn't waste any time trying to just focus on one school and you kind of, uh, you don't put your eggs all in one basket. Mm-hmm. Um, the main portal for all of this is uh, PTCast, which basically has every single school for physical therapy. And they basically, um, it's basically where you apply. You basically have that one portal where you put in your application, your transcripts and send them off through that portal and basically get in touch with all those schools. Um, and another thing I did that's very important was I actually reached out to the admissions. And the reason why that's important is because you actually get to find opportunity to actually sit down with those who are admitting the students. And nothing is better, to be honest, to be able to, to, be able to sit one-on-one and have them see you, meet you, and you're able to even bring that back in essays, bring that back if you get interviewed and they see that you are, um, you see that you're very in tune, see that you're very interested. Um, you know, so that was mainly my process there. And then I had volunteer hours. Volunteer hours was something that's key. And I think a lot of people um, kind of get misconstrued on how, on, on volunteer hours. You know, it's more important to have a diverse amount of hours rather than 
you know, 200 hours in just an orthopedic setting or, you know, 100 hours just in a neuro setting. Um, it's better when they see 20 hours here in neuro, 30 hours here in ortho, 20 hours here in geriatrics, and it's spread out. That makes you, you know, made me more competitive as well. Yeah. Um, and the interview, the interview, of course, is, is, is super important. It is, uh, mine was pretty casual, actually. FIU, we were talking about sports. We were talking about, you know, casual, um, you know, conversations. There was nothing um, serious that we talked about. And I think they did that because it's like, you want to be able to engage with people. You know, that's an important characteristic as a therapist, because sometimes I'm not even putting my hands on someone. Sometimes it's just a conversation and you see a transformation in the person just off being able to talk to them, yes. being able to make them laugh and smile, you know? So uh, the interview pretty, pretty much for me was casual at uh, FIU and you know, I've heard other interviews that are kind of cutthroat and very, you know, um, <laughs> you know, a lot more rigorous. But for the most part, you know, the interviews are something where you're supposed to bring your personality, bring out your character. Yeah. Um, and applying early, applying early is is key as well. You know, do not wait close to the deadline. Um, the faster you apply, the more likely your application will, um, you know, be presented first. Um, and then GRE, Jesus Christ. GRE. <laughs> GRE Listen, bro. you're complaining about it, bro, but I'm pretty sure you smoked that test even well, by, by my you. standards. By your standards, you're probably like, I didn't do that good. <laughs> I actually did not smoke it, man. I think I got like. What was it like a two ninety six or something like that? I remember and how the scoring works. I took in. I, I was like minimum requirement. Cool, done. I'm done with it. <laughs> and then keep moving. Yep, <laughs> that's how it is. That's how it was when, when I did my boards. As long as you pass, you pass. Yep. But the GRE man, it's it uh, it can it, it can weigh in. You know, a blessing is if you had applied during this whole COVID thing. A lot of schools actually waived the GRE. Yeah. So that would have been a very good blessing for you. I'm so <laughs> sorry that you missed it. If you are all watching now, you, I'm sorry you missed that. Um, but a lot of schools waived the man and they, they just weighed in like GPA, volunteer hours and things of that nature. So, um, you know, that was my process pretty much. I stuck to the game plan of what schools required. You know, I applied to like three or four schools. I called them up. I had inter I had uh, met, met with them, um, did interviews with them. And uh, they basically, you know, found interest in that. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a blessing that I was able to get into, you know, a public school um, because tuition can be pretty pricey out of state. Yeah. You know, it can be pretty out of, it can be pretty pricey, you know, so... Um, it's a blessing that I was able to stay in state and, uh, you know, do my thing here, Florida. Pretty close. You're from Tamarack, Miramar? Miramar. Miramar. So not, I mean, obviously FIU is not super close, but, you know, you didn't have to go to like Orlando or Tallahassee or anything like that, you know? Right, right, right. I actually got accepted first at uh, USF in Tampa. 
Great school. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Travis goes there. You remember Travis Hall? Yes, of course. He actually graduated already, and he's he's doing stuff at the VA. Uh, That's um, awesome. So he's doing this thing. And uh, basically up in Tampa, I got accepted. And the minute I was like, all right, mom, we got to go up there and start finding rental rental properties because, you know, I got to stay somewhere. Mm-hmm. The minute we decided to go, FIU sent me an email saying I got accepted. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, God, God was already looking at me like, you're not going there. You're, yeah. you're going to FIU, you know? So, um, yeah, man, it's uh, – it's a great thing when you get accepted. Great thing. What I'm hearing from overall, if I had to like sum up your advice, kind of like what you said when we talked about the CSCS, is make yourself competitive by getting diverse experiences, right? Mm-hmm, right. Because when you're going up against these people, sometimes it's classes of 20 or 30 people that can be very small. Um, mm-hmm. You're getting all the kids that have 4.0 GPA. You're getting all the kids that have taken all the rigorous coursework and have experience, maybe personal training or training conditioning. So what right. are you going to do that makes you different? Because they're all top of the class students. Right, right, right. That's very true. And it, it, uh, it's a class of, my class was like 60 people. And we had applicants, I think it was like 800, you know, applicants. So, you know, you, you have to be, um, very diverse to stand out and you know your experiences also play a role too you know yeah. if you were you know um, a trainer they may they look at that if you uh, um, had a, like a PT tech position things of that nature uh, those things also help you know um, your letter of recommendations and things of that nature especially yes. if you got it from someone you know already in the school that you want to apply to, it speaks, it speaks volume. So be make diverse. connections, man, and make a good impression. Like Keandre said, like, mm-hmm. I think people get scared to call because it's like, oh, I'm going to bother them and they're going to be mad at me. It's like, listen, if you're respectful and you like call or talk to someone, 99.9% of the time, they're going to be at least respectful, right? Where, and what's the worst they can say? Like, hey, I can't talk, just apply. Like, okay, cool. But at least if Keandre went and talked to people, even if it was just a phone call conversation, not even like visiting in person. Hey, like that's another time that they see his name and hear his voice when it comes exactly. time to select who is going to the program, man. And right. as little as that seems, that could be the difference. Exactly, exactly. Sometimes that even puts you, I, I remember my professor told me he was uh, interviewing a class coming up and basically the, the student, uh, repetitively came to the admissions office like three times before the deadline to make sure everything was good to chop it up with mm-hmm. some of the professors and that alone you know pushed his application above like a hundred or two hundred people yeah and I was like wow so he got the inside you know inside trading there and so, you know, yeah <laughs> you know I mean but it shows drive man yeah, it shows yeah. that you want to be there because they're investing three to four years of time into you. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So they want to make sure that you're actually into it and you want to be there. They do. They do. There's a lot of people who just apply and then hope, you know, hope and pray. But who's going to who's gonna stand out more, the person that hopes and pray or the person that hopes and pray and doesn't take action, you know? That's so, right. Um, you, you definitely 
you know, and, and if your place is all the way in Pittsburgh and you're in Florida, okay, I get it. You probably can't fly up there, but definitely make the email. Email, the call. call, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely do that. Um, it, it, it only will help you, to be honest. It only will help you. 100%. So, okay, we got a good outline of that process. Now, going, you went through your program. We got some cool questions for again, too. So, thinking back over your program, uh, which in part was through COVID, what would you say was like the most difficult part of your program? It could be like a class or a certain subject or dealing with whatever it was. What would you say was like the hardest thing you had to go through? You know, you mentioned COVID and COVID actually changed the entire scope of the program. It went from, you know, you getting this hands-on teaching, you know, every day pretty much to, okay, now we're on the computer. Mm -hmm. You know, now we got to figure out how to do these hands-on activities without actually meeting in person. And I think that was a, a struggle for a lot of people because now you had to uh, get out of the comfort zone of class and actually try to meet up with people individually on your own time mm -hmm. um, while COVID was going on. Because when it was the height of COVID, you couldn't see groups of what, five, 10 people or something like that. I think it was at that time, I was like, you can't be anywhere uh, in a room of more than like five or seven people. It was that bad. So um that changed the scope of the of the practice and it hurt a lot of us honestly um it hurt a lot of us practical wise mm -hmm. um practicals were pretty much every two weeks you know you'll get tested on you know different tests and measures you're supposed to do and you know you have people who struggled because of that um so that affected a lot of people it affected me as well but luckily I had, you know, a nice group of people who I can um, be able to do this stuff with and who are comfortable. Um, and that's the main thing that you want to do in PT school too. get a nice group of people who are you know, going to be disciplined, who are going to work with you, who you have chemistry with and, you know, pick each other's brains. Um, because the, honestly, the more you know, the less you, the more you learn, the less you know. So, you know, that's definitely something to look into. And I think clinicals, man, clinicals took a lot out of me, bro. They, <laughs> they, they were probably the most dreadful part because, you know, you go from school. My school was actually pretty lit because, like, we had three days um, where we were in class, kind of like eight to five. But then Thursday we'll have a half day and Friday we'll have off. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you got time to recuperate, time to enjoy life and things of that nature. But then you go from that to, you know, 40 hours a week. Some people got like 60 hours a week. Um, and, you know, you're not getting paid either. You know what yep. I mean? So it's it, it's that it's that your first clinical, you're like, yay, I'm giddy. You know, it's my first <laughs> one. I'm nervous, yada, yada. Your second one, you're like, OK, I'm starting to get this. I'm cool. Your third one is when it's like, it becomes a drag because it's yeah. like, I'm not getting paid. I know what I'm doing already. I'm basically the therapist. Yeah, yeah. And you you're know free, I mean? you're free, so, you're free work at that point, man. You're free working at that point because you, you're already independent. 
It's actually and worse than that, Key. It's you're paying to work for free because you're paying your tuition. So. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Your tuition, you're paying to work for free. Exactly. That's a very good point, Mike. Goodness. You're paying to work for free, you know? And, you know, I would see clinics do, like, have this. It's a great business model from them, honestly, because it's like, <laughs> you, I mean, you have, you have, it was two therapists. They're called Orthosport. I actually did my um, internship there, and they're in Davie. They had two main therapists and, like, two or three, you know, physical therapy students and, like, a physical therapy assistant student. Literally free labor right there. You know, you're not paying any of us. You're pretty much just teaching us. Mm-hmm. But it's like we already know what to do in, in, in a sense. And it's, you know, it, it's a great business model. But... Yeah, man, clinicals was the worst thing for me because I had to get <laughs> into this mindset of I'm literally working for free. I have my gas. I have all these things to do. And yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, my gosh, wow. Um, and so you basically have four of those, four clinicals. They're like, most of them are like eight, something like eight to ten weeks, something like that. And you basically have this last one where it's just like the senioritis kicks in and you know you just want to graduate so um you know that was those are the two main things you know covid and and clinicals man clinicals oh my god i can't man paying to work for free you made it through made it through bud made it through yay it was worth it though i guess you could say yeah it was worth it what would you say surprised you the most from your program um you know our program actually opened um our minds to what physical therapy can do you know um especially technique wise like i did not know we could do manipulations um i thought that was more in the chiropractic you know realm um but you 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 learn manipulations you learn that you can do uh, dry needling um you learn that you can do cupping and 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 different techniques mm-hmm. um that 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 could blow your mind and i think what really surprised me too is the, what you can really do with your hands you know it, it uh you really can you know mobilize joints and you know create a uh, uh, healing in a way for a patient just off your hands and it's yeah. great to see that it's great to know that um and i think what's funny too is that like you can do things like mobilize horses I have a client who is a physical mm. therapist or former client, she's a physical therapist. She's thinking about going the route of being a horse PT. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's open. It's open to a lot of people. And, and, and what's, what's nice thing too, is that the new things you learn is like what you can do. And you can, you know, you work with little kids, you know, uh, pediatric kids, um, newborns, I did not know we had the, you know, the, we had the ability to apply those techniques to newborn kids, um, horses, you know, I don't know what will be next, but it, <laughs> it seems like the door is wide open yeah. uh, for, for therapists to uh, engage in. So um, I think just, just, just knowing, just learning that we can do so much uh, was surprising, to be honest with you, very surprising. Yeah, it seems like the scope is always expanding. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys also deal with concussion protocol and even, like, in some cases, uh, sh- 
people who have suffered from stroke, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we have, um, you know, the, uh, yeah, that's, that would be within our scope. Um, and a lot of these things are getting updated too and, and implemented uh, because of the doctorate level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we had our master's, we were limited in the amount of things we can do. But when you have the doctorate, more doors open. So you can, like, for example, you can see a patient, I believe it's now 30 days without a doctor's referral. Um, So the independence of a therapist is growing. I believe there's uh, a lot of talk about us being able to order x-rays, imaging, you know, for patients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we're getting... We're evolving and it's a good thing because, you know, we, we're working one-on-one these patients and the less that you're limited, the more that you can do uh, for them. So yeah, man, it, uh, it's very surprising the things that's opening up for sure. That's amazing, man. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you say is the biggest thing you changed your mind on? Um, I would say career, career-wise, you know? Um, at first, I came in with that athletic, trying to treat athletes mindset. But then throughout the program, I recognized, like I was saying earlier with the CSCS, how you can apply these things to neurological patients. I don't know if you ever heard of NeuroFit, um, mm-hmm. but they're basically, yeah, they're basically a clinic that apply these uh, strength and conditioning principles to patients with stroke. Um, patient with traumatic brain injuries and you know the they do phenomenal with patients progress so what PT school changed my mind in the fact that I don't just have to do athletes you know I can bring in other parts of what I already know into neurological patients into geriatric patients into you know um pediatrics you know there's a, there's always a lot of talk on about what you can do with pediatric uh you know patients that haven't you know seen adolescence yet or bone maturity yet um so you can you know apply a lot of things to these uh populations that a lot of people don't know about you know so yeah that's, that's, that's changed my mind it opened me up a lot that's really cool man yeah i've never heard of the, the neural film i have to i have to look that up because that sounds really interesting Look on Instagram. They have a lot of videos. Um, I believe they're in Davie or something like that. Check them out, though, man. They're like, they're doing a good thing. And I think they opened up a second location in Miami, so they're expanding. Okay. Um, yeah, man. It, uh, it's very new. Um, it, it, it's, 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 it's doing a lot to, like, make a foundation for what you can do with uh, neurological patients, that it doesn't just have to be, um, you know, certain, you know, machines or tools that you have to use, but you can actually use strength and conditioning principles uh, to make an effect on these patients, you know? So it's good. I like that. I might definitely check that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this one's a little bit a tricky question, so if you need to take time, please take your time. Thinking about like everything you've learned in the last seven, eight years, right? From your exercise science degree, through your CSCS, through going through your DPT program. What are some things, topics, et cetera, that you're still like, I'm not exactly sure like 
what the answer is on this, or I'm not exactly comfortable with what the research says about this in my field. Do you have any of those particular things where you're like still scratching your head? Um, I think, you know, we learn a lot about, um, we call it uh, mobilizations. So we have this technique that basically you can move, you basically mobilize any joint and mobilizing Basically, you have these different grades, one, two, three, four. And basically, grade one is, you know, you're not going too much past uh, soft tissue restriction. So kind of like, you know, stretching. Um, you're not going too past, you know, the limit. And then all the way to grade four, where you're pretty much going all the way past. But you're doing this to the joint, mm -hmm. not necessarily um, the the uh like the hip flexion movement it's actually the, the the bone on bone that you're actually mobilizing i see and there's there's different discussions on research on how effective it is and you know you 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 do it on patients and you know i would say 60 percent 70 percent of them really benefit and there's another part that really don't you know get much out of it um so I think there's a lot of things like that with mobilization and, you know, different techniques like blood flow restriction that's mm -hmm. been getting a lot of attention lately and a lot of people have been using um, scalping, um, which is a type of soft tissue mobilization, basically sort of like a deep tissue massage, um, mm -hmm. cupping um, is, is something that's very popular now. So some things are like the soft tissue techniques or maybe more like the more so hands-on techniques, mm -hmm. questioning the potential like validity, whether it's pro, not con necessarily, but like, are they doing what they're actually saying they're doing, so to speak? Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, you know, because it, it and, and what's interesting about it all is, yeah, that's kind of beauty of physical therapy is that if this doesn't work, the cupping doesn't work, scalping doesn't work, let's try this instead, mm -hmm. you know? So even though one thing may fail and you're not too sure why something doesn't work, at the end of the day, the main thing is get the patient better. Yeah, It doesn't really matter what you do. We have things, you know, like placebo effect. If the patient's getting better with ultrasound, you know, and not much is really being done <laughs> with ultrasound. What, you know, do you, do you stop even though the patient's getting better? You don't know. You're, if the patient's getting better and they're feeling better and you're seeing improvements, don't, you know, break what's not meant to be broken, yeah. you know? It's a, so, it's a tricky yeah. thing. It's a tricky mm -hmm. thing, man. I always go, and we could, I'm glad you, I, you actually like read my mind because I was going to ask about the CFOs, but that's a whole other podcast, bro, because yeah, that's like a dilemma I go through all the time. I'm like, well, if it's placebo, is that good? But it's helping them, so it is good. And so I kind of <laughs> go back and forth. I'm like, well, as long as I inform them of like, hey, this is like what the research says. And like, you know, I go on and on about like stretching and foam rolling. Like, does that actually help? Mm -hmm. Feels good. Exactly. Long term, mm -hmm. does it really do much? It seems like probably not too much right now, but that doesn't mean my clients never stretch or foam roll because it feels good. 
It gives them some temporary right. range of motion. They enjoy it. I just do my best to inform them of the decision. So I like do my part, I guess. But I hear you, man. The, the placebo is a powerful thing. And, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. If, a, if a client, especially I can imagine as the PT having someone like frustrated and pain in front of you, I understand mm -hmm. how that can be like, hey, it's bringing my client relief. I'm doing my best to do that. So I hear you, man. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, man, there's there's a lot of things you can ensure about. But at the end of the day, you know, do what works for the patient. You know, that's the utmost thing or the client, you know, yeah. um, that's the goal. Patient-centered care. When it comes to... Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, what it is. Of course, right? Now, remind me, what, where are you currently at? <laughs> are, you, are you in a private clinic or, or where, where are you uh, located at? Right now, I'm at um, Cleveland Clinic over in uh, Weston. And I basically do uh, a blend of both. So they have the inpatient hospital. And they have the um, outpatient, uh, they have Neurological Institute, and they have, uh, they call it Cooper Center, which is basically like more of the orthopedic area. So I bounce around those three um, facilities and kind of get a mixture of pretty much, I'm not going to say everything in physical therapy, but a good range, a good range. Um, and, you know, in the hospital, you see pretty much acute patients, patients just come out of surgery, like fresh out. I'm talking nearly just got their anesthesia, yeah. <laughs> you know, cleared off. I'm seeing them like 30 minutes after they wake up. Um, so you see that and I see, you know, patients, you know, the athletic population, you know, a month post-op their um, ankle surgery or things of that nature. And I'm seeing, you know, neurological patients just had a stroke, TBI, um, you know, so it's a good uh, start for me because I'm able to kind of get all of these um, disciplines and then hopefully apply it to the bigger picture in my life, whatever God has for me, you know, so it's good. It's very good. That's a cool, that's a cool mix of things you get to do, man. I like that. Yep. Very good mix. I recommend I recommend that to any like new PT to you know take your time and really find the spot that's uh that can give you the most bang for your buck where you can learn the most. Don't just try to make the money, you know, try to actually uh learn because they'll pay off in the long run for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to take yourself in the future in the realms of the fitness industry and, and physical therapy? What's like the dream or goal that you have for yourself? You know, I would say the, you know, there's a lot of um, new research and things that come out. Um, and I think I want to be able to come up with my own type of intervention that can help patients. Um, something that I can apply that would work consistently, um, you know, of course, they'll take, you know, research and things of that nature and trials and errors. But basically how, how there's concepts like blood flow restriction and mm -hmm. concepts like um, PNF, um, you know, stretching concepts is something that I want to be able to develop um, and kind of create my own, um, own type of program with that, own type of intervention with that, and hopefully be able to give it to you know, the community, give it to other therapists to use, um, you know, and 
you know, just being significant in my community, you know, and uh, just being someone that people can trust as a, as a therapist overall, you know, is, uh, is important, you know? Yes, sir. Well, when you find out your method of how you're going to change the industry, let me know at the shift method and I'll make sure I, I have all my clients go to you or can do something with them from a programming standpoint and mm -hmm. make it happen then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's someone, someone decided to do this, you know, D? Someone decided that, you know, these hands-on techniques can do something for the patient. Someone decided, yeah. you know, that programming in this way and this type of volume can benefit the patient in a way. So um, why not, why not us, you know? Why Absolutely. not take that? Yeah. And then Leave your fingerprints, man. Yeah, 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 why not? Why not? You could give one piece of advice, your best piece of advice to someone who is maybe listening or uh, someone who's watching this and they're thinking about physical therapy school, they're aspiring to be a PT, um, they want to be, you know, a phenomenal physical therapist. What advice you got for them? Oh, man, just one, ain't it? <laughs> just one. Best piece of advice. Um... I would say keep exploring, um, keep exploring. So just continue to uh, open your mind. Don't have tunnel vision. You know, there's a lot of opportunities for you in terms of what you can learn, in terms of what you can get into. Don't just think, oh, I'm gonna be a physical therapist for this reason and do this, that specific thing. Um, be open because you can do many things with therapy. There are YouTubers out there who, who, who share their knowledge. There are people who write books of physical therapy who share their knowledge. Um, there's people who mold horses, you know, don't, don't limit yourself. Um, be, you know, be, uh, you know, aspire yourself, aspire to be great, aspire to, um, you know, branch out and be as diverse as possible because you never know um, unless you put yourself out there. So keep an open mind would be my best advice for an aspiring PT. Wise words for, from the man who's actually gone through the gauntlet himself. So <laughs> take those gauntlet. to heart if you're listening out there. <laughs> Key, I think that's, that's a great gauntlet. place to stop, my man. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to come on here and, and hopefully give some people some, some good advice, some good laughs, some good sound bites. So thank you again. Where can people find you? Um, okay, Instagram, uh, the key to PT, so T-H-E-K-E-E, -E -E, uh, number two, and then PT. Um, not sure if I have an underscore or not, but once you type that in, you should find it. Um, I'll make sure I put it in for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you ever have uh, any questions or anything like that, feel free to email me, D-Man, you have my email, um, keandre.mazedpt at gmail.com uh, feel free to reach out um, you know and we can talk chop it up if you're aspiring to be a PT I can help in terms of you know guiding you in the right direction um, giving you any advice you need you know and preparing and if you're already in PT school maybe you're about to take boards or anything of that nature any assistance let me know um, you know and uh, yeah, God bless.
Excellent. And y'all know where to find me. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at the underscore shift underscore method. Hey, again, uh, spots are closing up for virtual clients. I only got two spots left. So if that's something you're interested in, doesn't matter if you're in South Florida, Indiana, or on the West Coast in California, man, I've worked with people across the country. So if you're interested, DM me on Instagram or head to my website, theshiftmethod.org. Click any of those take action buttons to fill out the form and I'll contact you within a day or two. Of course, the store is still open. You still got apparel. Please cop one if you'd like it. Help support the channel, help support the brand. Uh, and as always, thank y'all so much for listening. Keandre, you have a wonderful night, brother. All right. Chief. Take care, boss. boss.